0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, episode 165. Uh, Like I told you guys, uh, I was putting together a tremendous week this week. Uh, We're never, never ceasing to try to do everything I can to please you guys. You keep bringing suggestions, I do everything I can, and it's always nice when you guys say, hey. Can you get this guy back again? And he's one of my favorites, so I have no problem with that. So we're gonna go the quarterback route. Um, kind of interesting today, you know. It, it's weird when it's February 15th of the NFL season and you actually get some news that is going to bring up, you know, a topic of discussion. But you know that is the case today. And you know the second biggest storyline of the day for me, the first one is is Jennifer Aniston might be single again. So for all us mid-40s dads, we're a little bit excited about that. Uh, you know, I don't think she's a Browns fan or she likes crappy football takes. So I ain't got a shot, but anybody else wants to throw their hat in that ring, by all means, God bless you. But uh, brought in one of my favorite guys, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk, you know, obviously McCarron. Uh, the timeline got fried today over Josh Allen, and I'm sorry, Pete Prisco, you're a fan of mine, but I wasn't a big fan of the Josh Allen selection in one overall, so we'll get to that as well. But without further ado, my guest here this evening, um, you know, uh, inside the pylon, locked on Patriots, keeping the Toto dream alive in 2018, Mr. Marsh Schofield, Mark, my buddy.
0: How is that? Yeah. Jeff, just, just, I mean, you won me over there with the, with the play music. I mean... I've always wondered, you know, if I were playing pro baseball right now, what my walk-up music would be, and I guess it would have to be. There is no doubt. It would have to be Africa, I guess, but thank you, brother, for having me on. Always fantastic to be with you, and, you know, like you said, there's actually some news to talk about on this February 15th, so we can dive into that in a second.
1: Um, And here's the thing, and You know, uh, know, Browns fans, you know, obviously there's the connection there between, you know, Hugh and A.J., uh, the the, the still picture of the hug, which just makes me, you know, want to hurl because I I just don't think people truly understand who A.J. McCarron is, you know, and, you know, me and Pete Smith, for all you Browns fans, if me and Pete who, you know, look, we get along, we're tight, we're cool, we like that. But we love to bust each other's chops on rights and wrongs or whose guys, this guy. But if me and Pete Smith are going to stand united on a take, that probably tells you that it's a pretty good take. But that being said, look, uh, Agent McCarron is now going to be a free agent. And I understand it for him. God forbid he wants to go spend another year where he's going to you know, basically get, be getting Andy Dalton's coffee because now that Marvin Lewis is staying, nothing's going to change in the pecking order there because if it was going to, it would have changed by now. And I see some guys on the Browns timeline trying to say, oh, well, I knew A.J. McCarron was going to win. Here is how you knew A.J. McCarron was going to win this appeal, guys. The Bengals didn't play him the last three weeks when nothing mattered. If the Bengals thought for a split second that A.J. McCarron was going to lose this appeal, they would have played him to try try to show him off, to move him on for assets. It was a slam dunk A.J. McCarron was going to win this decision. And that's how you know, because he would have gotten to play the last few weeks to drive up value, where maybe they could have gotten those picks that Cleveland was going to give. And hey, Sashi Brown, one more time, no longer here. But you deserve an Attaboy because you jumped on that grenade on Halloween, and saved it. Whether or not he does come here from here or not is a different story. We're going to get a little bit now about AJ McCarron, the player, which is a little bit interesting and difficult because we haven't seen AJ McCarron play football in two years. But that's why we bring in the quarterback guy that we do with Mark Schofield. Mark, AJ, the player, it wasn't a terrible run in fifteen, and I will give him that. You know, I think he knew how to focus on a premier wide receiver in AJ Green. But let's go with some
0: thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with McCarron is, you know, and, and let's rewind the tape a little bit back to his draft class. And while I wasn't sort of in the football media world then, I was still a guy on the outside that was dropping some takes on little websites and message boards here and there. And, you know, I liked what I saw in AJ McCarron back when he was at Alabama, but I've liked him as sort of a fourth round value with an eye to potentially develop and him behind tom brady because again that was back when i was pure patriots fan and to look at him now and to to, realize that for the past couple of years he hasn't been able to really step out from andy Dalton's shadow and i think that's all we really need to know about where aj mccarron is as a quarterback right now because if he was truly the best quarterback on that roster even though you know you know, even though Marvin Lewis has this sort of connection with Andy Dalton, has been playing with him, you'd have to think that at some point, you know, McCarran would be able to overtake Andy Dalton, and he hasn't. And to me, that speaks volumes. I mean, and he obviously wants to go be a starting quarterback. Sure, that's his right. And he will probably get that opportunity, maybe. I'm not quite sold on it. but It's not the right year for him. It's not the right time to come out because this is sort of a deeper quarterback class to begin with, and you've got Kirk Cousins out there as well. So, I mean, this doesn't change the fact that Kirk Cousins is the best free agent option out there if a team wants to go that route. Agent McCarron, you're still getting a somewhat unknown commodity. And at this point, would you rather get an unknown commodity in A.J. McCarron, who's already been in the league for a number of years now, or then take your shot on a somewhat unknown commodity in, say, Josh Rose and Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, even Josh Allen? So I, I think that's the bigger question that teams have to grapple with. You know, which unknown commodity would you rather go for? The one that you can have sort of as a cost-controlled quarterback for a rookie deal or A.J. McCarron, who's going to command a much bigger contract?
1: And for me, part of what it is is, and you know, obviously, you go right to the Bears from last year. And you know, I put this tweet out there, and it seems to be getting a lot of run. It's all, you know, damn near well up to you know, almost over 80 likes. Is we've kind of seen the story, and we only saw it you know 11 months ago, and it was you know Mike Glennon. You know, yep. yes, he got paid heavily, and but the Bears had every instant on. I, I think what the Bears theory was is in Dane Brugler was the guy who had the Bears pegged with Mitch Trubisky. And he had that almost probably, I want to say, like 60 days prior. So the Bears wanted a slight insurance if they didn't get Mitch Trubisky. They ended up getting him. And it was the oddest thing because I think it was like right around the time they drafted Trubisky that Glennon was throwing out the first pitch at a Cubs game. And it ended up almost comical because it was like, well, hey, Mike Glennon, it's great to know you. And, you know, God knows how long you're going to be here. I think McCarran's going to fall in that type of scenario, which is good for him. Look, you know. Obviously, A.J. McCarron wants some money, and look, I'm not going to fault the guy for that one iota, you know, strike by the iron's hot. It was different for Glennon last year for the fact that there wasn't a lot of competition. It, it, this is a weird year, and we've talked about this a lot, and I know you mentioned this, Mark. We have a very deep quarterback draft. You know, With McCarron, now today, we have a very deep free agent quarterback class. This is not normal. And this will kind of be an anomaly. This is something we're not going to see probably again for you know you know whatever X amount of years he would have put on it. So AJ McCarron, that was banking on himself, but the problem is, is there's a lot of other bachelorettes, so to speak, here in yep. this thing. And you, know, Mike Lennon, at least had
0: some more tape than AJ did. So I mean, that's the toughest part about all this. Yeah, and you know it's really interesting, you know. Sitting here, scrolling the timeline right now, Josh Norris just tweeted out, 2018 A.J. McCarron, 2012 Matt Flynn. Oh and my. I think that could potentially be what we're staring at in the face. Because, you know, say the Cleveland Browns do, you know, decide to sign A.J. McCarron. They'd probably still draft a quarterback at some point in this class. And you could make the case, let's say, a mid-round guy like a Mason Rudolph for go even lower Kyle Loretta Mike White could come in and beat out AJ McCarron the show Kaiser beat him out <laughs> yeah beat him out and, and, and so this idea that AJ McCarron is going to go and be a guaranteed starter somewhere I'm not quite sure that's really the route that you know he should be thinking of I uh, Go ahead and, you know, get your shot at a starting gig, but you're not walking in going to be guaranteed anything no matter where you go because, like you said, he won't. he's not the only, like, sort of free agent in that tier out there. There's Sam Bradford, there's Teddy Bridgewater. You've obviously got Case Keenum. Now, one or two of those guys might go back to Minnesota, but somebody's going to get onto the market. So there's that to contend with as well. And so this idea that Agent McCarron is, you know, going to be some shoe-in for a starting gig somewhere, probably not the one to really you know put your money on now there are places where he could go and potentially sit for another year or two like i'm thinking about new england like how much longer does tom brady have so if he wanted to wait another year it'd be in a really good situation he could do something like that i'm not saying he will but there are other places where he could go it just seems to me that you know all this does is put one more name out there in an already crowded field and i think one
1: thing for him if i'm aj mccarron the place, and I'm getting to my agent, and I'm saying, "Hey, look, there is not a quarterback on the roster in Arizona. Yeah. So, you know, and, and they're drafting 15th. So, there's no guarantee of the top three. Yeah, there's no guarantee of Josh Allen. and heck, if somebody, you know, if Buffalo really gets desperate and wants to trade up, there may not be guarantee of Lamar Jackson. You know, five quarterbacks could be gone by 15. I think Arizona might be your darling where you want to sell yourself to." And I don't think A.J. McCarron, now here's a guy who grew up in Mobile, Alabama, basically poo-pooed the senior bullshit. I don't need it. Yeah, I'm not doing you guys a favor. I think that people are getting confused of the type of person, and look, A.J. may have changed, but if you're not in the spotlight as a starting quarterback, we don't get to see you in that light. So it could be a question of that as well, with A.J. McCarron, he, he thinks he's this guy, and, you know, with my Browns thing, my Browns people, oh, well, he could be the bridge quarterback. A.J. McCarron has no thought in his mind that he is a bridge to anyone. Right. It's just not the way the guy is wired. Which, honestly, most quarterbacks, and I know you'll agree with this, most quarterbacks should agree with that. You shouldn't be wired that you're a bridge. You know, there are guys who are bridges, and Chase Daniel was the guy I keep coming back to who understands that I wear a uniform on Sunday I am no different than, you know, assistant quarterback coach, assistant right. offensive coordinator. I am what is a bridge from the – and people confuse what bridge means. Bridge means you are a bridge from the coaching staff to the guys who are actually playing, guys. That's what it means. Bridge doesn't mean that, you know, I'm going to play six, seven, eight weeks. It doesn't mean that. And that's where you guys get confused. Drew Stanton's a bridge, another guy of that example, of that ilk. So, uh, all right, tell you what. At the end of the day, Mark, what do you, where does AJ McCarron,
0: what's maybe a good fit for him? I mean, I do like the Arizona idea, and that I'll admit that that wasn't one that I had floating around in my head until you mentioned it, Jeff. And I think it's a very good one because for him, it's the ideal situation because you know he's not going to face pressure from a top tier guy unless, say, a Josh Allen falls to 15, which who knows, he could. But even if he falls to 15, you're not drafting Josh Allen to play day one. That's true. I mean, that's obviously true. And then he sort of becomes that, you know, stop on the way to your next quarterback, you know, whatever term you want to use for that. And so does he want that? And probably not. He shouldn't want that. He should be a competitive guy that wants to play for the next six years as a starting quarterback. But this might be his one sort of chance to maybe show what he can do as a starting quarterback and get himself into a position where he gets he say he signs like a three-year deal or something if he's eventually replaced he's at least got some good tape out there i mean he had good tape at alabama there were flashes when nick saban of all people put games on his shoulders put games on his quarterback to win them in the passing game and he basically won that last game his last senior game against alabama until some crazy stuff happened at the end that sort of propelled auburn to the win in that game and saban put that you know, their final drive on his shoulders, and he made some big throws on, them on that drive and in some other clutch moments with them. It was all the other stuff with AJ McCann, like you talked about. I mean, the Senior Bowl being one of them. There was a reason he fell to the fifth round. Apparently, he was just almost abrasive in interviews, particularly with the New England Patriots. And so. That probably hasn't gone away. Is he going to be able to do all the things that a quarterback needs to do to be successful? We'll just have to see on that.
1: And, and that's another thing because, obviously, guys, everybody knows and everybody's read and seen, you know, the belichick Sabin respect is, is deep and tight. And, you know, A.J. McCarron kind of went in there like, well, I don't know what you're bringing me in here for. It seems like you guys got a quarterback. I don't know what you would need me for. So, right. you know, I mean, and that's kind of the way A.J. carries him. Uh, Guys, Locked On Patriots. This guy down in D.C., Boston transplant, Mark Schofield, does a fantastic job with that show. Guys, Locked On Patriots. And, you know, never do boost Mark more than he needs to be boosted. But he does a great job with it. It's a lot of X's and O's. There's a lot more football to it than it is just Patriots. So, guys, go ahead and check out his show. We're going to shift on over here, Mark. Um, And apparently, you know, Pete uh, Pete Prisco put out his mock today and his first one and look I, I have no problem and I understand the big writers of the NFL it's look they have to cover all aspects of it meanwhile they don't cover all aspects of it year round which gets tough for guys like us who you know the draft and this part of it and who's next and that type of stuff it's huge for us this is kind of what we're into and he throws out his first mock today and I don't know if it was a you know well Cleveland will just but Josh Allen goes one you know, I put out, you know, I put out the simplest of tweets. It was, you know, Josh Allen at one Pete, really. And of course, Pete Prisco, like a good national writer would do, put out the mock and ran away from Twitter essentially, right? Which is very smart on his part. That's that's how you stay in this business as long as he is. And everybody just keeps. There's still some people that just don't get it. Now, look, and for you, I I won't say it because it's your comp, so I'll let you give it look he's got all the god given attributes you would ever want in a quarterback except for the one that anybody can have whether you're 5 foot 3, 6 foot 7, 7 foot 9 so Josh Allen look the arm is beautiful and you know the way I kind of describe it is i love to watch Josh Allen rip the football i get
0: really really
1: kind of sick in the stomach watching Josh Allen play quarterback
0: yeah and, and- you know, I actually came up with another analogy today on a, on a different show, and I'll use it here. And you know sometimes, like, you might be out on a Saturday night or you're at a sports bar or something, and you'll see, like, a lawn drive competition come on with these guys that can just, you know, hit 425-yard drives, like, right down the middle. They're just ripping lawn drives down the middle, and they've got these awkward-type gut golf swings. And for whatever reason, they can just crush the ball a ton. Mm-hmm. Those guys aren't going to go win the Masters. Okay? They're not even going to play in the Masters. <laughs> they can do one thing well, and that's drive the ball. It's a similar situation with Josh Allen. He can throw the ball a ton. He can throw the ball a country mile. Whatever catchphrase, cliche you want to use, he can do. But it's all the other stuff. And, you know, I, I, I've talked about this before with you, Jeff. And I even, you know, doubted Mobile. I thought maybe we'd see it. You know, maybe we'd finally see some touch, some feel, some anticipation. And it's still not there. Now, if you want to highlight the splash plays, yes, his highlight, his his tape is littered with splash plays that are amazing. Things that he is probably the only quarterback in this class is capable of accomplishing on a football field. But there's more to the quarterback position. And it's become a will versus should debate. Will Josh Allen go early in the draft? Yes, I've come to accept that. Should he? No. I'm still on the side of that you know, formula, which is his best situation is fall into a team later in the draft like Pittsburgh, like perhaps the Chargers, the Ravens, the Patriots that don't need a guy to play right away. Because I'm the guy that says development is not linear at the quarterback position. You want to see a little bit of growth from year into year out, just a little bit. It was stagnant for him. I went into this season hoping to see a little bit of growth in those areas, touch, field, development, you know, placement, all that stuff. It just hasn't happened yet. And now we're going to bank on it happening in the National Football League where time and time again guys come in. Oh, this is a guy that if he gets the right hands on him, he can develop into being a great player. And three years later, he's selling insurance. Because these guys don't get a chance to develop. They go high in the draft. They go to teams that need a quarterback because, well, let's see. They haven't handled the quarterback position well. So guys keep coming there and busting out. And they recycle a new guy in and it doesn't work. And we're sitting here wondering why this cycle keeps happening. That's my fear with Josh Allen. That he's going to get drafted to a team that expects him to play early. That forces him to play early. And the flaws to his game are flaws that you can work out while you're playing, but you need to have a really good, talented roster around you to sort of be able to eliminate some of the mistakes that are going to come. If he's forced into a situation where he doesn't have a lot of talent around him, he's going to fall back on what he does, which is try to do too much, play in hero ball, relying on the fact that he can roll out to his right and rip off a ridiculous throw and it might find somebody in the end zone. He can do that in the Mountain West. It's much tougher to do that in the NFL.
1: I'm going to go here, and this was, you know, Boomer Esiason was speaking the other day here, and, you know, obviously does a good job at the, you know, local, you know, New York radio show here. Yeah. And the thing that he brought up was, and he was kind of, you know, almost, you know, look, as an older guy, I can understand. He's poo-pooing on the way the NFL is now, you know, as, as far as, you know, practices and stuff like that. It's a little soft. But he did bring up a great point, and I don't know if he was addressing anything here, but he said, but one of the reasons I developed is training camp was six weeks long. It was two days, six days a week. He said, that's how I developed. So that's right there, there's a sign because that is not what training camp is anymore. Josh Allen is not going to see the live reps. He may see them with a team like Pittsburgh, with a team like New England, where you know what you've got already. But in a lot of situations, he's never gonna see the reps he needs to see to develop. And that's why everybody, oh, will develop It, it. doesn't. Any other position, I can kind of give it to you. It's not going to happen with the quarterback position in the NFL. It's just not... Go ahead.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, recency bias is at play here because we're coming off a season in which Jared Goff took a huge leap forward. And we saw Carson once become an MVP candidate before our, our eyes. Two guys that were... One was totally written off coming into this year, and one was pretty much people were saying... Carson Wentz is never going to be a good quarterback in this league and you know chances are he's probably going to bust more than developing into an MVP candidate but we saw those guys develop and so people are assuming that this can happen all the time but let's take a step back and realize what needed to be in place for those guys to develop Jared Goff needed a Sean McVay he needed an offensive minded head coach to come in and do some things that were quarterback friendly including calling plays early and getting them to the line of scrimmage so he could still talk to him in the headset before the play began you know and help your quarterback, that's great. But you obviously need somebody to have those ideas to help your guy develop. And the same thing with Carson Wentz. I don't think it's any surprise that DeFilippio and Frank Reich are now offensive coordinator and head coach respectively because of the work that they helped in developing Carson Wentz. But before that there's Jake Walker. There are other guys that Blaine Gabbard that were drafted early, were drafted above where they should have been and just haven't developed because you need the right sort of set of hands to do that let's not you know look at what's happened recently and say this development will always happen it doesn't always happen you could look at Josh Allen and see the raw talent the arm the athleticism the size you can't deny any of that it's it's it's, it's he looks every bit the part of a you know future franchise type quarterback until he gets out of his comfort zone of throwing the ball as hard as he can that's the issue you're banking on development people have banked on development time and time again to their detriment
1: and one thing i do want to bring up though is is everybody wants to bring up the talent that's around him okay well he's inaccurate with the talent that's around him now you're going to be playing with receivers who are you know so much more athletic than the guys he played with at wyoming how is the accuracy going to improve when you're dealing with wide receivers who are 10 times better route runners who are ten times better? You know, who are ten times better athletes? How is it going to improve to that ilk? It's a tough thing to sell. And look, I'll still say to this day, right now, Josh Allen with his college degree should be going through rosters, should be going through coaching staffs, wondering on which SEC school he's going to grad transfer to, which ACC school, which right. Big Ten school. It, it, it's a shame. And look, a lot of this isn't Josh Allen. And some people, oh, well, you're just dogging on. I'm not dogging on him because Josh Allen didn't put himself here. The media put him here, and some big media put him here. So it's a tough spot for the kid. And the last thing you want to see is him flamed out because of it. But everything you're kind of connecting the dots shows that that's where it's kind of headed to. With you know Josh Allen, it, it's terrible. It, 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 you know there's n- nothing about this situation is good. I almost you know I, I kind of root for him that he gets to a great situation like you mentioned, New England. Pittsburgh, where he can kind of be put in a position where, look, you ain't got to do anything right now, but you better follow this dude and do everything he does and watch everything he does. And if he scribbled up a note in a meeting and threw it in the garbage can, grab the note out of the garbage pail and see what he threw out, like that type of stuff. And the question is, we don't know him because he's not a major school kid. He's not a, you know, a power five school guy. Where we got to see deep, in-depth, 10-minute interviews to understand what type of kid he is, so we don't know that yet. So obviously, it, uh, you know, interviews will pay big in indie, so that's something to think about there, as well. You know? Yeah, and you
0: know, I, I think. It- You know, it is interesting, sort of, the life cycle. And we see there's so many different quarterback prospects. But I think Allen has sort of now become sort of the test case for what can happen when the hype sort of gets ahead of itself. And we saw it to a lesser extent this year with Sam Darnold. I mean, this time last year, we were getting ready for the Combine, Mahomes, Watson, getting to see those guys up close. And all anybody wanted to talk about was Sam Darnold. and the Rose Bowl, yeah. Everybody was looking at him. And, you know, I remember reading, you know... Brugler and Jeremiah, and they're all saying, look, we talked to GMs and we talked to scouts and other decision makers and Donald's the surefire thing. Darnold's the guy. Donald's the guy that everybody can't wait to get their hands on. We can't wait to see him next year. And Donald took a step back or at least a little bit of a step back this year. He struggled at times. And we're not talking about Sam Darnold, the surefire, no doubt, number one pick like we thought we were this time last year. And it just happens. These guys get built up Almost to the point where they're just destined to fail because there's no way they can live up to the expectations. Particularly when we look back at Josh Allen, who was like you said, people were talking about him being a top five pick in last year's draft based on what they were hearing from scouts, decision makers, GMs. And so I, I think at some point we all sort of need to, and not you and me, but like sort of people we're way removed from all of this, we just sort of realize that. Just because somebody's with an organization, they're a scout or whatever, you know, they're still just doing their work. So it might be, you know, a mountain area, you know, upper northwest area scout that sees a guy and says, oh, this guy's really good. But they're not watching the other 15 quarterbacks or so that are out there. So they don't probably have the full picture of all the good quarterbacks that are out there. And this is just, you know, one position, one example. But still, there are good guys up and down this draft board. There are guys that are going to go on day three that could become long term starters in this league. And, you know, guys get built up and broken down, and it's the cycle we live in. And somebody's going to have their Jerry Maguire moment and snap and write a memo or a piece or an article at some point <laughs> say, we need to stop doing this. We need to just, you know, let the takes fall where they may, like after their seasons are done or whatever, because all we're doing is setting these guys up to fail. And
1: putting, you know, kids in with Josh Allen, this all started. I mean, the guy was a minor. So, yeah. I mean, he got put into a position, and the talk of him, everyone kind of came away from, you know, last, you know, you know last college season, 2016, was, here's a guy that could be something, and then all of a sudden, he was maybe going to declare, and maybe he was going to go top five, and it was like, well, yeah. all right, guys, everybody, you know, pull the brakes here, Every, you know, let's relax here. i oh, are yeah. going to move on a little bit, but guys, lockdown Major League Baseball, pitchers and catchers are in. See, the best thing for me, and look, I'm a baseball guy, the best thing about baseball being back is it's going to break up something of the monotony of this draft hall. There's games every day, there's pitchers, who's starting, oh, this guy's got a hot week going, he hit four home runs. It makes it a lot easier to get to April 26th, 27th, 28th. So lockdown MLB, guys, it's up, it's running. Almost every team's going to be filled by opening day. So check out Locked on MLB. Uh, obviously, Locked on NBA is going strong. Locked on NFL, guys, we've got you covered. But go ahead and check out Locked on MLB as well. Um, this is the last time we talked, Mark. Uh, the thing is now is there is now a new offensive coordinator, which is nice in Cleveland because, you know, Hugh, when he originally took the gig, didn't think he was needed. So now all of a sudden, maybe now he's rested on his laurels a little bit. But Todd Haley... Um, Good offensive coordinator. Obviously, you're dealing with some issues with Todd Haley. Uh, so I want to go to, look, it's top three. And I'd love to put say it's a top four, the quarterback position. But there are not enough smart minds in the NFL to put Lamar Jackson in that conversation. So Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. With a guy like Haley in here now, there's enough of a traf- tra- uh, track record with him. There's you know obviously a lot to look at. How do these guys maybe fit to what Todd Haley wants to do? And any slip of the hip from Hugh Jackson, this could be Todd Haley's team come October,
0: come November. It it could. And, you know, I I think what's interesting is Haley came out the last couple of days and basically said, look, he's going to tailor the offense, the concepts that they're going to run, the schematic stuff to the skill set of the quarterback that's going to be running the offense. And, you know, we'll take some sort of at face value with that. And if you look at what Haley has done schematically, you can see, you know, west coast stuff you can see air raid stuff you can see even you know are perkins stuff in there but i think you know when push comes to shove but you look at todd haley and sort of his coaching lineage and the concepts that he likes to come back to this is a guy that's more rooted in sort of a downfield passing system obviously you know a coriel arians type offense kind of cut his teeth under arians a bit this year with the steelers while they were doing some air raid stuff at times like mesh like y cross and stuff like that while they were doing some more West Coast staples and stuff, like you know stuff we see from the Patriots and other teams. This is a team that wanted to get downfield at times. They wanted to push the ball downfield at times. They wanted to get vertical at times. And so I think you know if he were to design his ideal offense and call the things that he would like to call, is sort of in a vacuum. You're looking at a guy that wants to get the ball downfield. Now with those three guys that you've listed, I think all three of them can do that. But I would say that that would fit to my mind rosen the best first of all and part of that is because when i see these guys i think rosen out of all the qbs in this class is the most scheme diverse he's the most plug and play regardless of offensive system you're running he can come in and run it he can give you quick game he can give you west coast he can give you time and a rhythm like the erd perkins system requires he can give you downfield stuff he's accurate to all levels he has sufficient velocity to all levels he checks all of those boxes And so I think Rosenfitz is the best. It's a good system, I think, for Darnold as well because the issues that Darnold has at times with his mechanics, with his delivery, even with his lower body mechanics, which you can see him working on, I think he can clean it up enough where he can run that kind of system. I don't think Darnold's really best suited for a timing and rhythm system because given some of the structural flaws that we've seen with him, that can sort of get off track at times. With Mayfield, I don't doubt that he could come in and run it I just really think Mayfield's best fit schematically is West Coast slashed air raid. Like look at what the Jets were running this year, where you've got a lot of mesh concept, a lot of air raid concepts, a lot of quick game stuff, because Mayfield's strength is sort of his processing speed when he just reads a defender, makes a reaction sort of in the RPO game and gets the ball out quickly. That when coupled with some of the splash scramble place type stuff he does is Mayfield at his best. He can make downfield throws. I don't question the arm strength or anything like that, but I just think his strength and skill set is suited to something more in that realm. So I think if you look at those top three guys with the caveat that Haley has said, he's going to structure an offense around their skill set. But if Haley does want to stay vertical, if that's sort of where he wants to be, I think it's Rosen, then Donald, then Mayfield.
1: Well, the thing that first thing i look at is, you know, you had Gordon, obviously you have Coleman, you know Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Cleveland Browns fans, I'm going to keep saying the name Auden Tate. You can put him into that Martavis Bryant role. Mm-hmm. You see that, um, obviously the tight ends, You know they got by this past year with basically putting any name into it. Uh, you have David Njoku, you have Seth DeValve. Duke Johnson can give you receiving skills that can come close to the type of guy Le'Veon Bell is. Obviously, you're going to add a runner in this draft because you know it's going to move. You know, you're going to move on, obviously, from Crowell. But you you can start to see it if you want to look at it and open your eyes a little bit. And it's a slam dunk for me for Josh Rosen. I just I don't understand how it's more. You know, it, it, it's more than that. You know, Sam Darnold. Obviously, I think Sam Darnold and everybody to the man agrees he is the leader in the clubhouse right now to go one overall. And that's because he is what quarterbacks should do. He's like a Manning where it's, you know, yes, I will be there in the facility 10 to 12 hours a day. Like he gets that. He's into it. He's ready. He's signed up. It's a question of whether or not these other guys are going to adapt to that, which they're going to, you know, that'll make or break you whether or not you're going to do it. But Mark, we're going to shift over here. And I hate to do this to you. But obviously, you know, 10, 11, 12 days ago, however far long ago it was now, um, your Patriots. Uh, you know, obviously we talk, spoke about this, you know, some guy it was gonna be some mass exodus, but one guy chose to stay. How much different and you know, are there some cracks in the foundation finally? And this may be the, you know, born bred Jets fan in me. Are there some cracks
0: in the foundation in this Patriots dynasty? Well, Jeff, this has been a fun conversation, but uh <laughs> I gotta go to some now, buddy. Um it's it's funny. You know, in, in the lead up to Super Bowl 52, obviously, you know, making the podcast rounds, the radio rounds and things like that, I got asked, you know, that question a ton, you know, is there sort of, you know, are there storm clouds on the horizon? And then obviously after they lost, you get asked the same question, you know, is this an unsettled organization headed into the offseason? I think it is. You know, you have. You know, Rob Gronkowski and while I think a lot of Gronkowski's sort of recent murmurs and rumblings are due to the fact he wants to be the highest paid tight ender, you know, because in he terms wants, of he wants
1: a front end in twenty eighteen because he knows yeah. he knows the end is yeah. he knows the end is yeah. close.
0: Yeah, and the thing is if you look at the percentage of his contract which is guaranteed as opposed to other tight ends, like there are other tight ends that where a hundred percent of their money is guaranteed. His is like twenty four. So he's he's not even in the top like 25 in terms of guaranteed money at the tight end spot and so that's exactly right Jeff he wants to make sure that he's going to get the money because this might be his last deal and so that's the issue with Gronkowski obviously there's the Brady stuff you know he's gonna have to retire at some point like the window is closing for him you know Patricia leaves McDaniels stays then goes and stays so this is a very unsettled organization right now and you know, I think back to when that Seth Wickersham, the ESPN story, came up. And when the room it was around this time on a Thursday night when it was leaked on Twitter that there was going to be a story dropping on ESPN the next day talking about a fractured relationship at the top between Kraft, between Bralichek, between Brady. And Patriots fans, Boston fans, you could say – and I'll just you know put it mildly – we can be sensitive at times. We can – perhaps get a little defensive at times and then we maybe lash out a little bit but the reaction to that even on Thursday before the story even dropped was so quick so loud so vocal I couldn't help but think you know in the run up to the Super Bowl reflected on that night and then the next morning in the back of all of our minds we were thinking there might be some truth to this this run might be ended because obviously time's running out number one and, you know, if there's some fire to this smoke, this could be the last sort of hurrah. This could be the last ride. And so I, I think when you put all these pieces together, look, there are some relationships that might need a little bit of mending here in the offseason. There are some egos that maybe perhaps got bruised given the Garoppolo stuff. And Tom Brady has always been sort of a loyal sort of soldier and, you know, taken or at least structured his contract in ways to help the team Spend resources in terms of the cap. I mean, he hasn't said, no, I'll play for free. He's obviously getting paid a ton of money, but he's structured it in ways to be, you know, so the team can do other things and make other moves. But, you know, he just wants to make sure that he's not going to get traded because Tom Brady's been with his team as long as Belichick has, and he knows the way Belichick does business, you know. And if Belichick could get the return on a trade in the 40, 41 year old, you know, first ballot goat type quarterback that he would want, he would do it. At least that's what we think he would do. And so Brady wanted to make sure that he was protected. And with the Garoppolo thing done, obviously there will still be stories. If the 49ers come out like gangbusters next year, they start like 5-0. and And Garoppolo's slanted all over the park and Brady struggles. Of course, that stuff will come up again. But I think, you know, when this team gets back into June and July, when they get through the draft, I think that stuff will settle down a bit. But, yeah, it's an unsettled time. And, you know, for, for Patriots fans... It was just sort of that, you know, that voice in the back of your head that's like, maybe there's truth to this. Maybe the run will be ending. You know, this could be the last Super Bowl. Who knows? So let's hopefully get through this one with a W. They didn't do that, which has contributed to a lot of sort of the unease right now. But I think things will settle down as we sort of get through the draft and into the next sort of training camp.
1: Uh, Now, Mark, there was a million stories as far as Malcolm Butler. Um, I do kind of believe the ones that maybe he put himself in a position – that just, you know, during the week, uh, you know whether it was, you know, obviously, you know, holding some lettuce, whether it was out late, I do think that would be something where Bill would have said, look, I, I can't let you go to war with the guys because if everybody else is toeing the line, I can't let you. I can't believe it was more, I can't believe it was an agent was talking money and everybody got a little snippy about that because, you know, Bill... He's got no issue. Look, I mean, you know, he would have had no problem with. Look, Malcolm, you're done here. We ain't paying you. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. So I think it had. And, you know, I, I do want to believe more to the side of maybe Malcolm Butler was not telling the company the line.
0: Yeah, and you know, obviously when the game was unfolding, we also have started to realize. Look, Butler hasn't played yet. You know, I reached out to all the, the, the crying people during I know. the national
1: anthem was something that was. Yeah. You know.
0: And. We should have known it then, but it, it didn't quite click until they pointed it out that I think it was like the first 15 snaps. He hadn't seen any of them. That's when people started to wonder. And that's when I reached out to every person I knew, every contact I have. And, you know, what did Butler do? What happened? And nobody really knew at that moment. And I think, you know, the, the organization has come out and they've said it's a football. It's, it was a football decision, and that's all we're ever going to get out of that. I would be stunned if we learned what actually happened. No, because
1: that's the Patriots Company line. The only reason we knew Chandler Jones showed up half naked at a police station is because it was yeah, public news. Exactly. <laughs> and,
0: and you know, But if it was truly a football decision, if it was truly an X's and O's decision, they felt that schematically... Butler did not give them the best chance to stop this offense. At some point, when that team is going up and down the field on you, and Nick Foles is converting third down after third down, and he's hitting crossing routes, which while Butler did struggle at times this year, that was one of the things he was able to do was handle crossing routes. You think they would at least try Butler for a series, and maybe they would say, "Look, we got a football decision. We're on here because." That's been Belichick. but he's gotten football decisions wrong, he's quick to cut bait. Look at Coney Ealy. They thought they were going to get something out of him. They didn't. They moved on. Belichick's always known for one thing. Well, a lot of things. But one thing he's known for is halftime adjustments. Realizing what wasn't working, realizing what is working, and trying to fix it at halftime so you win the game in the second half. If it was purely a football decision, At some point, they would have said, at least let's try him for a series. And if we give up another touchdown, then fine, we were right, point made. But it never happened. He never saw the field, the guy that played 97% of your defensive snaps. So there's got to be something else going on here. We may never know, but it just doesn't pass the smell test that this was purely a football decision.
1: No, I agree with you. And that'll be something that'll probably be put into a book one day. Um, But, Mark, uh, you know, obviously, you know, ITP inside the pylon, uh,
0: draft guide coming? How soon how soon we seeing that? We are. Let me tell you how we've been working on this thing because we can't been kind of keeping it under wraps. So we get a team of about over two dozen guys working on this Well, right you now. may be
1: keeping it under wraps, but Mr. Dan Hatman seems pretty excited about Hatman's it. Hatman's very excited <laughs> about this. He has
0: built a team, basically, of. Uh, he's built an, an NFL style scouting department. We have three guys scouting quarterbacks alone. We have, like I said, over two you dozen have to have guys. You're not too upset about that, us. are you? No, man. <laughs> ah, it's great because the the way we've structured it is we're doing cross checks on all these guys. So somebody writes our Josh Allen report and the other two guys do their own report and let me hash out for, you know, final thoughts and a final grade on them. And that's how we're approaching every guy. We've got I think 524 reports done on over 374 players. We're stacking our board right now. We should be ready for pre-sales and all that fun stuff very, very soon. It's going to be another good product. Um, we're going to have all the scouting debates like we included last year so you guys get to see how the sausage was made. Yeah, we'll have some more details on it soon. We're probably going to adjust the price a little bit to give people more people want to get their hands on it or crack at getting their hands on it. So, yeah, we're excited about it. We started working on on it literally jeff when last year's draft ended the next morning we were okay what are we doing for next year's so and we started assigning scouts to players to scouts and going from there and i was watching tape on these guys last april and may anyway so the process never ends we're excited about it so it should be a, a really cool thing for people to check out
1: and what do you have in store for you know obviously all your listeners all your readers in the next uh, couple of weeks here mark
0: well, actually working on a piece right now, which will probably come out early next week, sort of what we've talked about tonight with Josh Allen and sort of the, the will versus should sort of debate to him. So I'm working on that over at Lockdown Patriots doing some positional you know breakdowns, you know where the roster is right now by position group and then free agent and draft options. So I'm working my way through that. Tight end episode drops on Friday with Jeff Risden. Offensive line episode with Luke Inman drops on Monday, and then we'll get to the defensive side of the ball. So that's where we're going with that. And you know, you Jeff, you know it. The listeners know it. Look, football has become a year-round, three 365, 52 weeks out of the year kind of thing now, and we just keep going and going and going, and then eventually we'll sleep and die or something.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, sleep. Maybe, maybe. Sleep. I think that I think the latter option is probably more the uh, you know the accurate one. But uh, before we recorded last night, me and Matt Waldman, uh, we're gonna do something here, and this is probably gonna be you know post draft. We're we're gonna have you come on, Mark, me, Matt Waldman, you, and let you know what you're in store for, as you do have that daughter at home. So we're gonna get we're gonna give you the graduate, the undergrad, and then the where you are, the pre, the pre high school version. We'll have some time with that.
0: I man like last summer we were at you know our little beach condo that we go to that has a you know a pool for it and you know we're playing in the pool and Simone was you know three at the time and there were like a bunch of like eight nine ten year old boys that were like floating by and Simone literally turns over and she's like hi guys you guys want to come play with us and I'm just like oh my god (laughs) it's like it's already begun and oh and the boy who's six he's a little bit more aloof you know and boys tend to be that way but we we're, was we're 75 today in the dc area uh, yeah. on thursday and so he comes home from school and we run into the backyard we're in shorts and at shirt we're playing soccer then all well, the fence in our backyard towards the houses behind us up pops a girl's head a classmate of his and she starts talking to him i did not exist I, I was I, I was not there I was persona non grata Owen was just from then on constantly looking over at the fence I even snapped a picture which i probably tweet out of him just like running over the fence like peeking through the cracks to see what she was doing so it's begun I it has begun my friend
1: Yeah, uh, it was about a, a week ago and my wife said uh, the girls have a problem with you taking them to school every day now Uh-oh. you know there's the drop off you know right. all the parents do that. I don't do the drop off we park we walk up to the school and I was telling Matt last night, I said, the reason I do this is, is because, you know, first things first, my daughters are 11 and 10, 5th and 4th grade. I don't want, I want to see the ones who got the gall to look me in the eye. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Not the guy who does the side low and walks away and walks past. And you know, I was even telling Matt, I was like, you know, there's a daughter in, uh, there's a boy in 5th grade and you know, my daughter's in class with Mark Rice. He's the one. Hey, Mr. Lloyd, how are you doing every day? And my daughter, well, well, I don't know, you know, Mark said. Uh, I said, you want to know what? Mark Rice. Mark Rice, he's got a shot. Because there's they a man count. right there. There's a gentleman. That's right. You know, don't do the side eye and walk by and pretend you're not seeing nobody. And look, you know, I coach soccer. You know, I'm involved in all the other sports in town. I know all these kids. So the guy who's got the eye to the side and walks by, I kind of know your game, bro. I played yep. that game. So. Yep. yep. And, We've and, been there yes and I will and look it's not going to end I will walk them up to school every day we hang out we laugh it's fun but yeah that's the reason we do it ladies that's the reason we do it there you go Mark it's always a pleasure guys if you do not know of Inside the Pylon correct that right now Uh, I will tell you right now if you ever google a football term I guarantee you Inside the Pylon will be one of the first three ones that comes up so you might want to check it out just for that Uh, Mark does a fantastic job with Lockdown Patriots and, you know, to use the old Terrell Owens term, that's my quarterback right there.
0: My man, my Go man, ahead. Jeff. Go ahead. I was just going to say, man, all, you, you know, you've you been just incredible to me, man, over the years. And we've gotten to know each other really well. And always a joy to come on with you, buddy. As I've said before, man, Bronx fans, you guys are so lucky to have Jeff, you know, in your ears, in your homes every single day, just breaking it down for you. He's just he's so good at what he does. And. You know, an experienced guy on the mic, and it shows. So, Jeff, man, thank you so much as always for having me on, buddy.
1: Yes, Mark, and I'll deliver that 12-pack as the prerequisite for that promo. You um, got it, buddy. Ah, uh, guys, so follow the Locked On Browns account at Locked On Browns. Follow the personal account at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Follow at Mark Schofield. Follow Inside the Pylon, guys. Read the work. Uh, another, we got a nice one coming tomorrow night, as long as everything works out. Guys, we went five strong this week. Look, it's February, it's a shorter month. We got to make sure, you know, and Mark knows, we got to make sure we got to keep Mr. Locke happy with the numbers. So I appreciate everything. Let's go Browns.